So I have a fairly short and simple message just to share with you this morning. Yes, thank you. I, I was pretty sure there'd be one. I did. I was pretty sure there'd be one. Thanks. Yes, indeed. And um, just up front, I'll tell you that the title of today's sermon is Indestructible Joy. Indestructible Joy. There is nothing, is there, quite like the exuberant joy of young children. And we've uh, experienced that this morning in their dance. There's just something about that period of time in a child's life where they haven't quite learnt to be embarrassed yet. They quite, haven't quite worked out to worry what people might be thinking about them. And whether they're laughing just completely a big deep belly laugh or whether they're singing or twirling or dancing. There's just something very captivating about that innocent, uninhibited joy. I've often thought that I would quite like to bottle it and be able to spray a bit on myself from time to time. And I certainly think that I could make a lot of money from it if I could do that. Because let's be honest, the pursuit of happiness occupies a lot of people's time and thoughts. People, of course, have varying definitions of happiness and joy. Um, and I don't really want to get bogged down this morning trying to work out the difference between happiness and joy. In fact, when I looked online, there were equal numbers of secular and faith-based articles debating exactly that thing. And interestingly, Scripture doesn't actually make a distinction between happiness, joy, gladness, rejoicing. These are all terms that are used interchangeably throughout Scripture. We were, as human beings, but also created in the image of our God, we were created with the longing for joy. And to experience joy, delight, gladness, to live a joy-filled life. And so the greater distinction, I think, for us as believers in Christ is not what terminology we use, but what is our source of joy. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, I would like you to turn to Luke chapter 2. We did actually read this same chapter last week. So good. I'm coming back to it again. So Luke chapter 2. And I just wanted to explore a bit this morning this idea of indestructible joy. So I'm just going to start reading at verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for, I beho for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David is born a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there with the angel was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
Then the angels went away from them into heaven and the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This passage in Luke 2, as Andrew shared last week, we actually find the first proclamation of the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus. Now, obviously, we find a few other individuals who've been given information on a need-to-know basis, like, Mary and Joseph, for example, and even Elizabeth. We read an account of Elizabeth um, having John um, leap in her womb when Mary went to visit her. So we have some accounts of individuals finding out, but this is the first public official announcement, and it's extravagant. It's louder, bolder. It's got more of an amazing light display than any marketing budget could normally afford. And I think to fully appreciate just the weight of this announcement, it's worth reminding ourselves of the context. There have been, at this point, 400 years of effectively radio silence. No prophetic voice, no recorded word of the Lord, absolutely nothing. 400 years of silence and then suddenly the sky fills with an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts and the long-awaited birth of the messiah is heralded announced not to religious leaders intellectuals and the rich and famous but to a group of ordinary dirty working class men in a field looking after their sheep at night and the angel says to them fear not For I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Great joy, not small joy, moderate joy, modest joy, but great joy. That word for great is the Greek word mega, mega joy. Good news of mega joy. And for all the people, not for some people, a select exclusive minority, but available for all people. I mean, much like our society today, at this time in Israel's history, they had settled very much into a life of the haves and have-nots. In that 400 years of silence, there had been many man-made religious laws created saying what people could do, who they could talk to, where they could go, who could be seen in public. And here we have the angel declaring this great news of great joy that is for everyone to a group of dirty shepherds who would have been deemed as unclean because they worked with animals. Talk about actually putting their money where their mouth is. It's declared first to people who would be the least likely in um, the religious terms 
to be let know about this. And then they're not only told, it's not like the angel says, well, we're just letting you know, but don't come near. Stay with your sheep. They actually receive an invitation to go and see, to come close. That's just amazing. And so with great haste and no hesitation, they accept the invitation and they go to Bethlehem to look for this promised Messiah, to look for the sign that they've been told to look for. And we read their response to encountering him. It's rejoicing. They encounter their Messiah and they are filled with that great joy that's been promised and it spills out of them in rejoicing and praising and glorifying God and an inability to keep their mouth shut. So they are telling everybody who will listen what they've seen and what they've heard. One of the consistent promises throughout Scripture is the availability and the invitation to this mega great joy. This joy is not meant to be an optional extra in our lives or just available to the select extra spiritual few. The angels' promise and God's promise to us is it's available for all people. Psalm 16:11 says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Again, that description of fullness, not a little bit, but fullness, overflowing joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. In John 15, 11 is recorded Jesus saying to his disciples, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Again, a description of a, the fullness of joy, not partial joy, full joy. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And of course we have Galatians 5, to 23 that gives us a list of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. There are many, many more scriptures containing words of promise about joy. And I would actually encourage you to go searching the scriptures. But let me tell you that over 300 times in scripture, God is linked with joy. And each one of them points to the very source of this joy. You see, joy is not just something that God gives us. It's who he is. God is joy. And this is the proclamation of the first Christmas. In Jesus is the fullness of joy. And we have been invited to come close and encounter him just like those dirty shepherds. Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us, not simply to bring us joy, but to be our joy.
My favourite Christmas carol is Joy to the World, written in the 1700s by Isaac Watts, and it says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. There are, of course, many good things that can bring us happiness and joy in our lives. I had the privilege of witnessing Brendan and Mel's joy-filled wedding last Saturday. And this coming Saturday, again, um, family and friends will gather with Ben and Serena to celebrate their joy-filled happy occasion of their marriage. We've had the joyful occasion of two new babies born in our midst in the last few weeks. I've watched the joy of my kids finishing their school year. I've loved the joyful addition of a puppy to our family. I witnessed the absolute hilarity of a group of women playing games together at a Christmas party, laughing and enjoying each other's company. You all know who you are. Yes, we are meant to laugh. We are meant to have fun. We are not meant to always take life too seriously and to enjoy the gifts in our life. However, what I want to proclaim to you this morning, and this is what the angel proclaimed to those shepherds all those hundreds of years ago, Jesus is the only source of joy that is indestructible, inexhaustible and unchanging. In every varied and changing circumstance of life, his joy can be complete in us. In John 16, Jesus tells his disciples, I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one can take your joy from you. Basically, what Jesus is saying here is the world hasn't given it, so the world can't take it. So in this season of Advent, I believe what's presented before us is an opportunity to respond afresh to his invitation in our lives to indestructible joy. To spend some time as we prepare our hearts in this Advent season, to recalibrate our lives to the good news of great joy. Our Saviour Jesus coming near. And so it is my prayer for each one of you that regardless of your life circumstances this Christmas, that you are reawakened to joy, to his indestructible joy. As the kids so beautifully sang for us this morning, got to get that fire back in my bones before my heart, heart turns into stone. So somebody please pass me the megaphone and I'll shout it on the count of three. One, two, three. I choose joy. Just as we, um, I'm just, I really have felt this morning that I want to pray over us this morning for a fresh release of joy. I'm also just going to invite Adam up. I just couldn't let the opportunity go past to not have a time of singing together joy to the world this morning. And because I get to preach, I get to choose. Um, um, and we obviously this morning have a prayer team who have prepared their hearts before the Lord this morning and would love to pray with you. 
that might be into this whole area of recalibrating your life and the refreshing of joy in your life. You may have come this morning with a physical need in your body. We would love to pray for you for a release of God's healing to you this morning. But I'm going to invite you to stand as Adam just gets his um, guitar and uh, mic sorted out. And if you... I would just invite you to just posture yourself in a way to receive from the Lord this morning. It is his desire for us to know and experience his joy. And so, Father, we just position ourselves this morning as your people. We recognize God as ones created in your image, that we have been created for joy and with joy. And to know and receive your joy found in Jesus. So by your Holy Spirit this morning, would you reawaken joy in us? Would you refresh our joy, God? Would you help us to recalibrate, Father, where that is needed? We choose to fix our gaze upon you, Jesus, as the source of indestructible joy in our lives, inexhaustible And we just welcome that fresh touch from you, God.